0: appreciate you listening tonight to Bible Crossfire. Try to listen every Sunday night if you can. On this program, we, we allow you to call in, ask your Bible questions, make Bible comments. If you want to try to respectfully and kindly dispute something that I say, that's fine. Uh, as we always say, though, the Bible will be the standard. It will decide the answer to any issue raised. Um. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So the word defines for us, God's word defines for us what the truth is. And we're going to stick to that. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to say, I know that's what Jesus says, but what about this? What about that? Therefore, we're going to compromise what Jesus says. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and stick with Jesus and his apostles taught, and let the chips fall where they may. I thought while we are waiting on our first call, we would talk about end times matters. In particular, this doctrine called premillennialism. Here's a description of premillennialism I found on the internet. Quote, Premillennialists hold that the second coming of Christ and subsequent establishment of the millennial kingdom is to be preceded by the earthly activity of the Antichrist Dispensational premillennialists hold that the nation of Israel will be saved and restored to a place of preeminence in the millennium. The basic idea of premillennialism is that when Jesus comes back the second time, He's going to set up a physical king reign in Jerusalem. Israel, the physical nation of Israel, will be restored with Jesus as their king, a king like David, who helps them win battles in war for example. That's what premillennialism usually means. It means the doctrine that when Jesus comes back, he's going to set up a physical kingdom in Jerusalem and reign there a literal 1,000 years. A lot of this is based upon the fact, the false teaching, that the Jews are still God's chosen people. Now, at one time, The Jews were God's chosen people. That was a promise to them made in Exodus 19 if they would obey his word. And we're about to read that verse in a minute. But the question is, was that promise that they would be his chosen people, was that made unconditionally or conditionally? Well, right there in Exodus 19, verse 5, when the agreement was made, God says, now therefore, if, and that's a big little word, if, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant." then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. And the Jews did. They would obey his voice and keep his covenant, and they became his chosen people, God's chosen nation. A peculiar treasure unto God above all people. But you see, that was conditional. That was conditioned upon if they would obey his voice and keep his covenant. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open right now. You can get in eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. Deuteronomy 28, verse 58 and 63 read this way. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. You remember in Genesis twelve one through 3 three promises made to Abraham, and they're repeated three or four times in the book of Abraham in the book of Genesis. One promise was that God would make of Abraham a great nation. He would have descendants as the sand of the seashore, and he did. There was basically a million of them, I think, when they came out of... Egyptian slavery 400 years later. The second promise was a land promise. He would, he promised them, quote, the promised land, what was called the land of Canaan. We think of it, that land is Israel today. And he gave them that land. They inherited that land. But he says here in Deuteronomy 28, if you fail to do what I teach you in my law, you shall be plucked off from the land. And that ended up happening. In Matthew 23, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, O Jerusalem... Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together? Even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. desolate. And this is said right before Matthew twenty-four, one through thirty-four, which is all about the final destruction of Jerusalem and the Jews in AD seventy. So the Jews Sometimes we're obeying God, sometimes they did not. They killed prophets and things like that. And God got upset with them, and he took them off the land one time. But their final destruction was when Rome came and destroyed them in about 70 A.D. Final destruction of the Jews because they had crucified the Son of God. They were no longer God's chosen people anymore. Bible Crossfire, Drake from Florida. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Ah uh, yes, sir. Um, just regarding that that topic, um, what do you make of Romans nine, ten, and eleven chapters, uh, which there are numerous scriptures that talk about the Jews uh, being favored again, and that would fit into, as you said, the uh, pre-millennial idea. But yeah. it says if if their casting away has been riches for the war. Uh, in the world, how much more will their uh, return of favor? I'm paraphrasing it. I don't have my Bible. I'm on the road. But uh-huh. that how, what would you make of those numerous scriptures in Romans 9, 10, and 11?
0: If you read Romans 9, 10, 11, you'll see that what you're referring to is not talking about the Jews becoming his chosen people physically anymore. He's saying that the Jews... Can be saved just like anybody else, if they're willing to obey the gospel it doesn't merely matter whether you're Jew or Gentile anymore physically let me read galatians three twenty six through the end of the chapter. it says and thank you for your call, Drake. Are you listening? you still there? Yes, sir, it says thank you for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus, and if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here's what we learn in that passage. Verse 26, we become a child of God by faith. Verse 27, the way we become a child of God by faith is being by being baptized into Christ. Therefore, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile anymore, Jew or Greek, verse 28, bond or free, male or female, you're all one in Christ, and if you be Christ, meaning if you belong to Christ, If you become a child of God by faith, by being baptized into Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, verse 29, and heirs according to the promise. So a person is a a child of God, not because he's a descendant of Abraham or Joseph, Jacob anymore. It's because he's become a Christian. He's obeyed the gospel. So Romans 9, 10, 11 is just saying the Jews, who for the most part, as a great majority, did not believe in Christ did not obey the gospel they can change and become Christians too they can be grafted in just like the gentiles but it's going to be spiritual it's going to be they're going to have to obey the gospel become a Christian it has nothing to do with them being physically favored anymore becoming God's chosen people physically drake right? does that answer your question
1: well that that is good but it, it no it doesn't totally answer my question that that is to, I agree with that in terms of if you have a spiritual relationship with Christ I I don't believe that Jews as a as a nation as a as a group can claim to have a special relationship but it says in one of those verses that the promises and um covenant of of God are uh, irrevocable and, um, mm-hmm.
0: well, so that's a fact. right now, now what think, we're right, look, let
1: me, if I can just explain one thing, sir, I okay. think what you're, you might not be seeing is that, and this is in the idea, even though I don't like to use this term, the premillennial, but after the Christian church is raptured or gathered up, whatever term you wish to use, the Jews will be favored. It says that there's numerous, mm-hmm. I mean, you, it, the, hey Drake, Ezekiel, I'm going to have to Jeremiah. go into a
0: new caller. I'm going to have to go in. but right now it looks like to me you're putting pieces of one verse with another verse. What I want you to do is send me an email and put those all together. Right now it's just sort of it looks like you're just making stuff up, okay? So send me an email. No, sir, e- no. My email address is at email.com. Anybody who thinks they can prove that God that the Jews are still God's chosen pe- chosen people physically now from Romans 9 through 11 or anywhere else. Show me that from the Bible. Don't just take parts of one verse from over here that have nothing to do with each other and try to sort of make something up. Let's let's try to defend it, not not just give what we think or what we want it to be. Paul from Arkansas. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. It's
2: interesting. Uh, uh, I just finished talking to a, uh, a mentor of mine uh, in my church. Uh, and um we were I was trying to explain to him or share with him uh uh this uh sermon I just heard about uh the prophecy of uh the Antichrist and how the Pope now wants a one world and blah blah blah. And uh I asked him about his opinion and he shared with me that uh there's uh pre uh it's
0: hard to mil- say that mil- word in it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Aluminum, okay. Pre millennium post, which I'm post, I believe. And also, he shared he was a millennium, which I did not know what that was. And uh, he explained it to me that he believes that the tribulation happened during the Roman Empire. Uh, the mark was when uh, they persecuted the Christians. Either you uh, can, uh, profess your, if you profess you're a Christian, you go to the Lion's Den. If not, you can have food. And then, of course, he believes that the thousand year, tribu- uh, the reign, Is actually happening now. Now I believe in Christ. Uh, I'm 62 years old, uh, and and I listen to family talk because I am a trucker, and uh, uh, you know I have to believe in my heart from what I hear, and I believe the Holy Spirit about the uh, post millennium. But what is your uh, 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 review or uh, your opinion on the a millennium? Because one thing, and I'll close it at this: we both agreed that if we confess in our heart and believe. Uh believe in our heart and confess in our mouth that the Lord is Jesus. It doesn't really matter whether you believe pre, post, or A. We're still going to be uh, uh, received uh, to the church when uh, Christ uh, returns.
0: Paul, thank you for your call. I'll try to answer that in the next few moments on the program. Just listen in on the program, okay? So Paul mentioned about one idea about the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, a lot of times the, quote, pre millennialist teach that there's going to be one Antichrist that comes right before Jesus does and is going to come into some kind of political power. But they, what they don't realize is the Bible talks about the Antichrist five times. They're all in the books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Here, for example, 1st John chapter 2, verse 18. John is writing this in the first century. He says, little children, it is the last time... And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So this whole thing that Hal Lindsay and some others came up with about this Antichrist, one person coming to power politically right before Christ comes back the second time, you won't find any justification for that in the Scriptures. What you find in 1 John is that the Antichrist was anybody who was against Christ at that time. Anybody, for example, who taught falsely. And he said, even then, as he was writing, way back in the first century, even then there were many antichrists because there were a lot of people back then that were opposing Christ. And so so just these fanciful theories that people come up with, we, we can't just swallow everything that we hear. We actually need to find scriptures to back up what we're saying. And if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. And so we were learning from Galatians three twenty six through 29, that the way to be a descendant of Abraham and heirs according to the promise is when you obey the gospel, is by obeying the gospel you get baptized into Christ and therefore become a child of God by faith. And so when the Bible talks about the Jews coming back into favor, it would be the Jews obeying the gospel and becoming Christians spiritually. It has nothing to do with them physically becoming God's chosen nation again. Here's Romans 2, 28 and 29. I think that would teach the same thing. It says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outward, outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so now, there's no more physical Jew or Gentile distinction, you're a Jew inwardly if you are a servant of Christ. You are Abraham's seed not by physical birth, but because you've been baptized into Christ. And so this is how you get to be God's chosen people. God's chosen people today are the Christians, not the physical Jews. Aaron from Oregon, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
3: Uh, yes, my comment is in regards to your answer to the previous caller about God being uh, Jews being God's chosen people and how you said no, that's not true. And you did read a verse, but I want to read a verse as well. Fair enough. Um, if you don't mind, it's from Genesis seventeen seven, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations. "...for an everlasting covenant to be uh-huh. God to you and your descendants after you." Genesis seventeen seven, in uh-huh. relation to the Jewish people, and what you're teaching people is false teaching. We as uh-huh. Christians are grafted uh-huh. in, and yes, it has to be by faith that you are saved. It was accounted to righteousness, to Moses, to Abraham, and to, to many, many Jews who lived before Christ was born. Daniel, Radshach, Meshach, Abednego... All of these trusted and had faith in God, and many of the prophets talked about the coming of the Messiah. But Jews are God's chosen people, for a covenant is everlasting. Your teaching is false teaching. Your teaching about Revelation is false teaching. And I would ask all your listeners to read Revelation for themselves and and mark everything it talks about. Um, and Jesus, uh, the tribulation, the three and a half years uh, before the... Terrible tribulation that's coming, and how Christians will be—the church will be raptured before tribulation, because the Christian church is not accounted to wrath before this happens. And there will be the dragon, the the beast, and there are just like the Holy Trinity. The Aaron thank Satan you for your call.
0: Appreciate him. your call. Okay, we'll have to let you there go. Thanks for your call. We've only got so much time on the program. But, of course, I read the passage in Deuteronomy 28 that if they would not keep God's law, they shall be plucked off from the land. I read in Exodus nineteen five, if you will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. And so this idea that they would be God's chosen people physically is, was made conditionally. Now, as far as this word everlasting in Genesis 17, verse 7, you know, Exodus 40 verse 15, talking about the priesthood, the Levitical and Aaronic priesthood said it would be a quote, "everlasting priesthood. But are we still under the Levitical priesthood today? No, Hebrews 7:12 says, "For the priesthood being changed, there's made of necessity a change also of the law. Second Chronicles chapter 2 verse 4, talking about animal sacrifices, says they are an ordinance forever." And then Leviticus 16, 29 says the Day of Atonement is a statute forever. And Leviticus 23, 21 says the Feast of Pentecost is a statute forever. And Exodus 12 says the Passover, keep it a feast forever. None of the, the, all of these things have this word forever then, but they mean to the end of that dispensation. In Exodus 21, verse 6, talking about a servant. Normally a servant only served a certain number of years, but if he chose, he could be a servant of his master for the rest of his life, it says that servant shall serve his master forever. Is that talking about all the way throughout eternity? No, it's talking about to the end of his life. All of these passages, when you see this everlasting forever in the Old Testament, that is the Hebrew word olam. It says, And here's the definition. It says sometimes in the sense of a cycle or an age. And that's what Genesis 17 verse... 7 is talking about, the same thing these other ones are talking about. These things, when it says the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, is going to last as everlasting priesthood, obviously that means for the rest of that Jewish dispensation, not all the way to the end of time, because Hebrews 7.12 says the priesthood would end. So, you know, you got to take everything the Bible has to say and understand what these words mean, and this word everlasting there in Genesis 17.7 means sometimes in the sense of a cycle or age. That's the definition given by the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. David from Oklahoma, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
4: First, I'd like to make a comment, and then I have a question. First, my uh, comment is on the lady who just called earlier. If uh, she feels you're such a false teacher and, and so on and so forth, then I suggest she change the dial. And set out before she comes to the conclusion of calling you a false teacher. My question is on the subject of suicide. Uh, a, we, I know that our body is a temple, and the Lord uh, commands us to take care of our temple, to keep it into the. Uh, uh, as, as we are an image of, of our Creator, we are to keep our body in that image. Uh, So, with that being said, if you commit suicide, is that considered a sin? And number two, with a person who is, say, an alcoholic, a drug addict, a smoker, whatever their vice may be in life, and it costs them their life, is that considered a slow
0: suicide? You know... The reason I would say suicide is a sin... I, 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 I'm not so sure... I, I mean, you have a point about taking care of your body. But the thing, the reason I would have called it a sin is for, because of passages like Revelation 21, verse 8. It says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Suicide is rightly called, David self-murder. So when a person commits right. suicide, he's committing murder. And this says murderers will have the part in the lake which burneth from fire and brimstone. So it's a sin. People are going to be lost because of it. Now, a drunkard, I don't know that I would call that slow suicide, but you know, the Bible teaches that drunkards shall not inherit the kingdom of God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 and 20. And so being a drunkard, that will cause you to be lost on its own merits. You see what I'm saying, David? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir, I do. Okay,
4: so, so then let me ask you this question. Um, then we know that the people who are, um, how can I say, less fortunate in the capability of thought, action, uh, that are of a, a mental disability, and let's say that they take their life or someone who is very depressed, that has a very bad chemical imbalance, does that fall under the same, uh, so to say, jurisdiction of what you just, you know, what we just explained here? Or is that of a mercy of our Lord and Savior knowing that this person is having shortcomings? Because, you know, our Creator knows this from before we were born to the day we die, so He knows in that time frame that this is going. We are going to take our own life. If David, He knows everything, yes, sir.
0: I'm not going to make a judgment on on things that are uh, close, but there, but I can. But we have people who are born. The old word was retarded, mentally incapable. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, they're sir. not responsible before God. Okay.
3: But yes, just I because somebody
0: that. is depressed or something like that doesn't mean they're not responsible before God, okay? Okay. Okay, so so I can't comment on any particular one person because I'm not God's gonna be the judge. But God we're all gonna have to face the Lord in judgment. Second Corinthians five verse ten says we're gonna all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be judged based upon the things done in our body while we're alive, whether they're good or bad. We're going to be judged, Second Corinthians 5, verse 10. All of us are going to be judged. Now, some who are uh, mentally retarded, for example, they're not responsible. But just because a person has a problem, like I said, doesn't mean they're not responsible. And so they will be held accountable for getting drunk, committing suicide, whatever.
4: David, okay. I'm going to have to let you okay. go.
0: I've got to get off the air, okay? Thank you for your call. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Have a good evening. I mentioned my email address, Crossfire at email.com at email.com. Send me that if you think you can prove that the Jews are still God's chosen people physically. I'm interested in the verses. Send me that. If you have a question for a program coming up, send me that by email. You want to have this question talked about on our program, send me an email at BibleCrossFire at email.com. If you want a uh, one-hour free phone Bible study. I want you to call or text me on my cell phone. If you want a phone Bible study, sometime when it's convenient for you, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 256-682-9753. If you want the free one-hour phone Bible study. Appreciate you listening. Tonight, a bunch of good calls. We'll try to take up where we, next week with where we left off this week. Be sure and listen.